Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. I'm talking with Dr. T.J. Nagaraja, Distinguished Professor of Microbiology in the College of Veterinary Medicine at Kansas State University. Dr. Nagaraja joins me to talk about a major issue in feedlot cattle, liver abscesses, a problem that can bear significant economic costs to the producer, packer, and even the consumer. Dr. Nagaraja, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've come to specialize in the gut microbiology of cattle, specifically the rumen microbes? And for those of us who understand that cows have a unique system for digestion but might not have the full capacity to appreciate it, what is it about rumen microbes that you've come to appreciate most? Uh, I've been working in the area of rumen microbiology for the past 30, 35 years, and uh, rumen as you know, is the first compartment of the four compartment stomach in cattle. And rumen has a lot of microorganisms. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, when we feed cattle, actually we are feeding the microbes, not the animal. And what microbes do would be to break down the feed into products that the animal can then use. So it provides uh, the microbial activity in the rumen provides both energy and protein to the animal. And my research interests have been in beef cattle, particularly cattle fed high grain diet. So this would be what we call feedlot cattle meant for beef production. And because when we feed high grain diet, uh, because grain is starch, and starch is a highly degradable or digestible carbohydrate. Therefore, microbes break it down rapidly and produce a lot of acid. And uh, you know, because of that rapid fermentation, there are a lot of digestive problems in cattle. That has been my area of research, is to how to minimize those digestive problems. So what happens when the microbial colonies get out of balance? Is there a way for producers to see it physically or behaviorally that their cows aren't feeling well? It's, it's, uh, it's difficult to see them unless uh, the production of acid exceeds the capacity for the animal to absorb and utilize. So in which case, uh, the rumen acid concentration increases to a level where it will reduce animal feed intake. And that's when producers will notice that cattle are not doing well because they're eating less than they were, they were expected to eat. So that condition is called acidosis. And that's a very common problem in grain-fed cattle. And that increased acid production and increased accumulation of acid in the rumen causes a lot of digestive problems. With a feedlot cattle, are producers able to keep an eye on them as frequently as they would like? I mean, could this kind of go undetected? In a feedlot, you know, where you have hundreds of animals in a pen, uh, it's very difficult to detect uh, acidosis unless the animal is extremely sick, in which case the, you, know, you would see the animal standing by itself away from the feed bunk. And usually the pen riders who keep an eye on the cattle sometimes they can spot those animals uh, and, and, and maybe pull those animals out of the van to treat them. 
Can we determine rumen community composition by how we feed and raise the calf or heifer? It's a lot more complicated to understand all the microbial changes that take place with different feedstuffs. Uh, one uh, unique aspect of microbes in the rumen in microbiology that are called anaerobic organisms, which means they like to live and grow without using oxygen. And therefore, if you want to study them, uh, we have to have special techniques to be able to grow them outside the rumen in the lab. So this we call as anaerobic techniques. And rumen is a very complex ecosystem. Uh, there are bacteria, there are protozoa, there are fungi. And uh, it's not easy to understand all the changes that take place in the rumen uh, when you, for example, change the diet of the animal, as an example. The new veterinary feed directive has sent a message that traditional antibiotics approved for the prevention of liver abscesses should be a last resort instead of a preventive method. Because of that, we're hearing more about the use of ionophores, for instance. How are these safer than uh, Tylosin or other antibiotics used to prevent? Okay. Tylosin is the antibiotic of choice to prevent liver abscess. Uh, that seems to be the best one. Whenever we feed antibiotics to animals, there is always a chance that we may be creating some resistance in bacteria, which may end up in humans and could be a public health uh, concern. And tylosin is not used in human medicine. And it's, it's a drug used only in animals. But it belongs to a class of antibiotic called macrolide. And the same class has another antibiotic which is commonly used in humans, that is erythromycin. So in fact, tylosin and erythromycin are very similar. So if a bacteria become resistant to tylosin, it could also be resistant to erythromycin. That is the reason why we are concerned about feeding tylosin with the new veterinary feed directive, the intent there is that we cannot use antibiotics for growth promotion, but tylosin is used to prevent an infection in cattle. That's why FDA has allowed tylosin to be used as long as it is under veterinary supervision till in the industry comes up with a different method to control liver abscess. Other methods are also being explored, like the use of certain essential oils and yeast fermentation product consumption. What are your thoughts on these as a method of prevention and treatment? In, in fact, uh, uh, I would say we should be able to develop other methods that does not involve uh, use of antibiotics, and one of them is uh, probiotics, uh, because probiotics are, these are beneficial bacteria but some of them do produce substances that could kill other bacteria. So, for example, we know that probiotics can reduce, for example, salmonella in chickens or swine or cattle, or reduce uh, shiga toxin-producing E. coli that causes uh, it's a major foodborne pathogen. Similarly, there could be a probiotic that could be used to kill a bacterium that causes liver abscess, which is called Fusobacterium necrophorum. But as of now, we don't have any probiotic identified. But there are people, including my lab, looking at those probiotics. The one that has shown some promise is essential oil. So these are uh, products of plant 
that means they are natural products. But many of the essential oils have almost like antibiotics in the sense they do kill bacteria. And uh, so we have looked at few essential oils and uh, shown in the lab in a test tube some of the essential oils can kill the bacteria that causes liver abscess. So the question is, can we feed those to cattle, thereby reduce liver abscess prevalence? That work has not been done yet. What kind of restrictions might there be in making those more available? Would you have to go through the FDA? Uh, Essential oils uh, are considered to be uh, what we call generally recognized as safe product or what we call grass status. Uh, so, which means uh, they would not require FDA uh, because these are natural products, naturally safe, as long as uh, an industry can show that the product is effective in reducing liver abscess, it should be able to should be able to be commercialized. So, it'd be a lot easier to commercialize essential oils uh, than antibiotics, for example. How would you provide the essential oils to the cattle? Would it be in a capsule? Would it be on the feed? This, this would be probably mixed with the feed. Uh, either it could be a liquid product or it could be a dry powder uh, because some of the essential oils have been, are available as powder. So it could be mixed with the feed, and uh, so it would be easy to administer to cattle. Certain breeds of cattle seem to be affected by liver abscesses more than others. For example, I read that Holsteins have the greatest incidence rate, followed by cold dairy cows and then uh, fed beef steers. Why is that? I think the reason why Holsteins have a higher uh, prevalence of liver abscesses, we believe, is simply because they're on a high-grain diet for an extended period of time. So typically, the Holsteins that are used for uh, beef production or Holstein calves. So what they do is start the calves on a grain diet right after they're weaned uh, of milk. So typically, a Holstein steer, before they go to slaughter, would be on a grain diet for 300 to 350 days, as opposed to beef cattle uh, meant for beef production. Those are typically between three to five months, 120 to 150 days. So I think the duration of grain feeding, we believe, is the major reason why Holsteins have higher liver abscess. Gotcha. I think I saw a number around $64 million annually for the beef industry in the United States in losses associated with liver abscesses. How does an abscess ostensibly affect an entire industry? I think uh, uh, in a liver abscess, if you look at the average prevalence in feedlot cattle in this country, it would be anywhere from 10 to 20 to 25 percent, even with feeding tylosin, uh, because tylosin is effective in reducing liver abscess, but does not eliminate the problem. Uh, So liver abscesses could cost uh, both the producers as, as well as the packers. Uh, producers, because uh, cattle with liver abscesses, particularly those that have what we call in the industry A plus liver abscess, which would be a liver with a large abscess or multiple small abscesses. So when they have those A plus liver abscesses, the animals don't eat as much, uh, they don't gain as much, and they become less efficient in converting feed into gain. So that costs money to the producer. But once the cattle go to the slaughterhouse, obviously a liver with even a minute liver abscess could be condemned. 
So that's the loss of lure uh, to the packer. Plus, uh, many times when we see livers with abscesses, uh, you know, they adhere to the adjacent organs like diaphragm and lungs. So that leads to a lot of trimming of the meat. So there's a reduction in carcass yield uh, because of liver abscess, and that costs money uh, to the packer. So the, the cost of liver, the retail price, I was told, is about 5 to $6 per, per liver. So that's the minimum loss. Uh, in terms of carcass yield uh, reduction, that could be anywhere from uh, uh, 25 to $75, depending on the extent of trim they have to make. You mentioned that there's still a lot to learn about the essential oils and probiotics. Uh, how far away do you think that we are from getting probiotic strains to persist in the rumen and the industry? Uh, probiotics, uh, uh, I think we still have not identified a probiotic product that does affect the bacterium that causes liver abscess. And uh, essential oils, we know some of them do. Uh, the question is uh, whether if we show the effect in the lab, does that translate in the field? And that's where, uh, uh, you know, we need to do more studies. And there is always a question whether the bacteria may get adapted to oil, essential oils. So if you feed it for a three to five months, they may lose the efficacy. So those are the types of stuff, uh, studies we need to do. And if I could mention uh, uh, one other way we could control liver abscess would be to have a vaccine against the bacteria. You know, just like there are a number of vaccines to treat uh, uh, bacterial diseases, liver abscess is a bacterial infection, and we know which bacterium causes liver abscess. So one of the approaches we have taken in my lab would be, could we develop a vaccine? And so we are targeting two different structures uh, or products of the bacteria. One is a protein uh, that's on the surface of the bacteria, and we have evidence to believe that that protein is the one that attaches the bacteria to the cells in the animal. That attachment is a prerequisite for infection. So if we prevent that attachment, we may be able to prevent the infection. That's one approach. The other approach that we have been working on is uh, when the bacterium goes to the liver, you know, liver is a very well-defensed organ. There are a lot of uh, mechanisms to combat foreign bacteria. So when fusobacterium necrophorum, the one that causes liver abscess, goes to the liver, the reason why it can survive is because it produces a toxin that kills white blood cells. Because normally white blood cells would be the first line of defense in the animal. So when the bacteria go into the organ, white blood cells come in and engulf the bacteria and destroy them. So this organism produces a toxin that kills those white blood cells. So what we are trying to do is uh, have a vaccine containing the leukotoxin as well as a protein that mediates attachment to see if the animal has antibodies against those, then a vaccinated animal may be able to prevent attachment then prevent the survival of the bacteria in the liver, which we think may be the way to prevent uh, infection. Well, which one do you think would come first, the vaccination as a, a solution or probiotics? Where are you furthest in your research? Uh, I, I think uh, uh, vaccine, we are working on it, 
again, a vaccine has to go through you know, a lot of regulatory uh, approval. Uh, so that may be at least another two to three years in the making. Whereas probiotics or essential oils would be a lot faster to bring it to the market. In fact, there could be probiotics already being used that could have an effect, but nobody has tested those. Dr. Nagaraja is a distinguished professor of microbiology in the College of Veterinary Medicine at Kansas State University. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture. future.